Sequel Cast 2 and Friends is a part of the HyperX Podcast Network. This is a vintage episode of Sequel Cast 2 and Friends. Audio quality may not be up to current standards. We apologize for the nastier audio artifacts. Clearly, fame isn't everything. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a podcast looking at movies in a franchise one film at a time. The theme song you just heard was by Mark with the C. Check out his music at markwiththec.com. The Sequel Cast is also a proud member of the Battleship Retention podcast fleet. You can check out other great TV and film podcasts at battleshipretention.com. I'm Matt. With me is Thrasher. Hello, students of the occult. And Jersey Jason. Hey, guys. And we're talking about uh, kicking off a, a very large series of films with uh, Harry Potter and the... No, the, the title depends on where you're seeing it. In the United States, it was released as Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, but overseas, it was released as Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Again, that's what the book is. Right, that's what the book was originally, too, in the UK and everywhere except the United States, I believe. Uh, Why the heck do they change it? Is it because we're dumb? It's, yes. It is exactly my understanding that that's exactly what happened, that when it was being released in America, they didn't think they didn't think anyone in the target audience would be familiar with the concept of the Philosopher's Stone, so they just changed it. Or the able story. to spell philosopher. Maybe <laughs> that too, but yeah, they thought philosopher would be a turnoff, so they convinced her to make it something, you know, Sorcerer's Stone. Um, it's not a thinking stone. People don't want to think about stones. Hey, so the book, magic. the book came out in the UK in 97 and in the US in 98. The film came out in 2001. So you wanted to, um, you know, I was in high school when this book came out, but I never read it at the time. I only read it recently uh, for the first time just as research for, uh, for this show. So, Jason, had you read the book? I wound up, actually, yeah, I did read the book. Before the movie came out. Okay. Um, I I had been given it for, I believe, a Christmas. Um, because it was like it was one of those books that was like, people were talking a lot about it. I think already the second one had come out. But I got the first yeah. one before the movie was made. And so what, I'm not sure what on the timing that was. I know it wasn't the first year it was out. Have you ever read the book, Thrasher? No. No, I haven't. The, the whole Harry Potter cultural phenomenon really just kind of passed me by. I am surrounded on all sides by fans of the Harry Potter series, but it's just, it's it's not a series that I've, I've, I've been interested in enough to, to read them. When I have kids of my own, there's a very good chance that I'm going to buy copies of the books and I'm going to read them to my kids, but until that moment happens, I don't think I'm ever going to pick up these books. But I don't feel bad about it, because I realize it's a wonderful problem to have to live in a world with so many wonderful things that you just don't have enough time in one lifetime to read them all. So re- rest assured, if I'm not reading Harry Potter, I'm reading something else just as good. Okay, well, again, wanna... I have I have yes. the entire series, oh, but great. I'm not a I'm not one of the people who knows every character's name and backstory right. and family trees. 
I don't know all the minor characters and their histories. I definitely don't have any of the spells memorized. I do know people, and I went to college with a lot of people who, frankly, were really into that. I actually know a girl um, who I went to school with who was part of a Harry Potter fan club, and she wound up marrying a guy who they were in fan films for Harry Potter, and he, her brother looks a lot like Harry Potter, but the guy she married also looks like Daniel Radcliffe. Was was this one of our friends from the uh, the group, the Slytherin Sluts? What? No. What do you? I don't remember. You don't that remember group. that? I do not remember that. Group. When Adriana, uh, Isis, and a few of their other friends, they they had their sexy uh-huh. Slytherin uh, school uniforms, and they would go to parties no. as as and movie premieres as that group. No, but oh, man, Adriana awesome. would go as Snape, and we saw, I believe, the last one together. Uh, her as Snape, me as a Dementor. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we get to the last movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, you know, speaking of Harry Potter, I am going to be at LeakyCon in Portland, Oregon, which is a, a Harry Potter convention. And oh. I think this might be the first time it's been in the United States. It's been around in London for quite some time. So, well, you know what it is. Here, here's another thing that I'm finding with this past generation, for people like me and Thrasher, and probably you as well. Yeah. We were introduced to a lot of British things very early on because of PBS. For a lot of these preteens, teens who really Harry Potter was their first time that they saw really English stuff, and it became uh, Englishophiles. That's not the word I'm looking for. Anglophiles. 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 Yeah. And you have that, and then of course you also have the Doctor Who phenomenon. And both of yes. these things, you're able to translate one to the other. Because they're set in this in this foreign country mm. where at least they speak the same language, sort of, that we speak. Well, you know, that was another thing I noticed uh, when my friends really started getting into Harry Potter is that you know, uh, is that f- for them, so much of the book seemed very, very exotic. Because for for most of them, it was the first time they had been exposed to the British class system and uh, and the the their boarding schools and, and all just all these very, very British things, which I had already been exposed to and inoculated against, and there was there was no sense of his exoticism there uh, for me. Oh, this is another thing. I read the book in the original English. Oh, the UK ver- printing? Yeah. Yeah. The first ever one that I read, it had things, and I'm like, wait, I know this word. Why do I know this word? Why does it have word an extra you? Exactly. And, and, and even then, if you listen to some of the books on tape, there's the American version, and then there's the English version, read by Stephen Fry, which is brilliant. Oh, wow, okay. Did he read all the books for the UK version? Oh, good question. I believe so. And you talk about, you know, us growing up reading, like, British uh, kids' literature. I certainly did. I read a bunch of the uh, Dr. Doolittle books, and I read a lot of the Roald Dahl uh, novels. Mm-hmm. So, well, I'm talking about, I'm also talking about uh, Monty Python, Are You Being Served, uh, the original Doctor Who. Oh, oh, okay. And, and yeah. the worst witch, which has a cameo oh, by Tim Curry. Oh boy, um, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. That you wanted to talk a bit about the a book, Jason. Oh, about the book. Well, it's, it's becoming a movie or something, right? Uh, yeah. Well, it's very interesting that the movie got picked. Um, originally, uh, David Heyman, the producer, was looking for a children's book that could be made into a, a big film. Could be made either into a franchise. Or something that kids really latch onto. 
uh, they were originally trying to get something called the Ogre Downstairs, but hmm. sadly uh, that didn't happen. Um, he was introduced to Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, and Heyman thought it was a cool idea, but he also needed a big studio, which is why uh, Warner Brothers got, uh, got brought into the mix. And we should mention, and we touched on this a little bit, um, over at the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sequelcast, fan of the show, uh, Kiara, might be Kiara, I'm not quite sure, says that the title, the UK international title of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone makes more historical and mythological sense. Because, you know, throughout history, the Philosopher's Stone is an object that it's been said to do things like turn lead to gold or bring back people from the, you know, bring life to things. And you know what? It did. Because the Philosopher's Stone in this movie, no, in the movie, well, here's the thing about it. This book made so much gold for J.K. Rowling. (laughs) (laughs) But also in the book, the Philosopher's, in the the movie too, you know, the Philosopher's Stone is trying to bring life back to uh, Voldemort. Well, it's supposed to be, the Philosopher's Stone itself is supposed to create the ideal material, which a lot of people think to be gold. Because gold has such properties. But it's also believed to have all these mystical powers. To be able to do things that the mage, or the magi, uh, the, the teacher, the philosopher, whoever it is who makes this, the alchemist, is able to do conversion, or he was able to create from the firmament very much like God. So the idea of, of bringing back the dead um, to life isn't that impossible. Uh, it's the same idea with uh, the cup of Christ. Uh, people have attributed all these mm-hmm. miraculous powers to an object. Not to people, but to an object that can be made or that already exists out there that people want to get. It's 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 also a highly powerful MacGuffin. Sure. And that, it just goes to show when you change it to Sorcerer's Stone like they did for the U.S. release of the book and the film, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, yes, with Sorcerer's Stone in the title... You can tell, hey, this has to do with wizards and shit in the story. But it also raised the question, well, wh- which sorcerer does it belong to? Nicholas Flamel, of course. Yes. I guess. Who is who is also a historical character. An alchemist, yes. Um, oh, and you know, hey, fun lots of fact. Lots attributed to him. If, uh, a fun fact, a level 20 alchemist can create a Philosopher's Stone once per month with no cost. And what does that do in D&D? Uh, actually, I'm looking at Pathfinder. Let's find out what the Philosopher's Stone does in Pathfinder. Uh, here we go. Philosopher's Stone. Aura of strong transmutation. Weighs three pounds. Does not take up a slot. Requires caster level 20th. This rare substance appears to be an ordinary sooty piece of blackish rock. If the stone is broken open, break difficulty class 20. A cavity is revealed at the stone's heart. This cavity is lined with a magical type of Okay, that's enough. Oh. But it does go on. Great. What book is that from? That is uh that is actually from the uh Pathfinder role playing game core rulebook. Oh great. Um so I mean this Harry Potter and the, the Sorcerer's Stone, Philosopher's Stone, um I'll just call it Harry Potter One just to make things easy. HPI. Yeah, HPI. <laughs> uh HPPS or whatever. HPPS. HPPS, yeah, that's 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 easy. Um this was directed by Chris Columbus. Produced by David Heyman, screenplay by Steve Cloves, and... What else do we know him from? Music by John Williams. Who? Uh, Christopher Columbus. Chris Columbus, he uh, directed Home Alone. And he discovered the East Indies. Home Alone 1 and 2. He, <laughs> his, 
his directorial debut was Adventures in Babysitting, but he also wrote the the scripts for Gremlins and Gremlins and the Goonies. We we should make our own film called Gremlins. <laughs> yeah, Gremlins. <laughs> Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I mean, again, that kind of brings it into uh, interesting that like he's worked with kids before. He's made stars of kids before. Yes. Your sure. And look what happened with Daniel Radcliffe. And you know what movie Chris Columbus directed before Harry Potter in uh, the first film? No. Bicentennial Man. Oh, <laughs> With Robin Williams. Wow. Based How on an Isaac not, Asimov. Uh, How was he not hiding? Well, it's funny. They actually want Steven Spielberg. He was originally negotiated to direct the film. And they he wanted were, to do it as an animated yes. film. That's uh, with Haley Joe Osment. So yeah. instead he did AI. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, you have to admire how they committed to a mainly uh, like British cast for these films. Well, again, that's all Rowling. That's yeah. the author. She she took here, here's what amazes me. She was paid um, one million dollar for the four books, but she was given a lot of creative control for that. Yeah, kind of like Rocky or um, uh, Sylvester Stallone. Rocky. Yeah, Rocky. sure. I think that's so. I think that's so good. But that also allowed for it to be closer to the book. If she hadn't saw, if she, if she had given too much control, uh, Warner Brothers would have made like strange, like they would have made strange choices. I also think they would have gone with uh, somewhat in, uh, American cast. Um, yeah, it well, could have easily been uh, sure. Haley Joe Osment. Well, let's before we go into the film, um, I'm trying to think of when I first saw this movie. I didn't see this first one in the theater. I just saw it on uh, DVD. Oh, but, I did see it in the theater. Oh, you did. That's what I. Pardon? And you had read the book, Jason, and you had not Thrasher. Is that right? That that is correct. Uh, although uh, a lot of my family did, I actually saw it uh, over Christmas vacation. My whole family went to see it together. Were you confused not reading the book? Uh, no, I was not confused. I, I didn't find it difficult to follow at all. And and, and again, it's all it's sort of like tr- all tropes and structures. I was already very very familiar with. Yeah, well, that's because we're smart. Oh, yes, yes. I have to say, having recently read the book, um, the movie and the book are pretty damn close. There wasn't a whole lot they left out. There's a few things, uh, a duel here and there, uh, some things with, um, um, with a mouth voice. But really, yeah, it is very it is very close to the book. I'd say the biggest <laughs> difference is in the beginning of the book, it has, um, when Harry Potter as a baby is brought to the, uh, what is it, the Dursleys? The Dursleys. Right. And it has all this stuff of, like, normal wizards are walking around London, and they're all excited for, you know, they all know what's happening. All these owls are flying everywhere. But I can see why you wouldn't want to start the movie with that. You have so many characters and so many things you're trying to introduce that waiting to introduce more of the magical stuff until later. And but you that, also have to show that he comes from, like, if you saw, without him being disposited at the doorstep by a wizard, if you yes. saw this kid living this horrible, horrible life with the, the Dursleys, his foster parents, is basically his aunt and um, her husband and her son. Mm-hmm. They're just awful, awful people. Then, like, that story doesn't tell me anything. It's like, okay. And then all of a sudden, boom. But instead, we're like, this guy has a story. Now we just have to see when it's going to make its next appearance. I mean, Harry Potter does get dropped off as a baby in the beginning of the film, but it's not nearly as elaborate as what happens in the book. Uh, Which, frankly, I'm glad it's not. I like right. that there's only a little strangeness at the beginning. It gives the movie somewhere to go. 
Do you think the special effects in this hold up very well? Yeah. Having not seen it recently, I guess I really can't say if they hold up to, to modern standards, but I, I found the effects very uh, well executed when I saw this. The only thing that kind of puts me off is, um, I don't want to give up too much, but Coral's head. There's just there's some CGI that's kind of eh, but there's still some good effects. Uh, the ogre in the bathroom, the 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 actual animatronics and the practical effects, like explosions and such, look good. And again, also putting kids in that ha- kind of harm's way uh, reminds me a lot of the Twilight Zone. But I mean, it was all very well controlled. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. The actually the back of Quirrell's head I thought was pretty well animated, especially for the time. Oh no, for the time. You didn't but have I'm a lot of CG trying to look like a human face. Uh, mm-hmm. But so I mean, how do? There's so much to potentially talk about in this film. Where do you want to begin, Jason? Uh, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, let's talk about Coltrane. Robbie Coltrane. Yeah, Robbie Coltrane, who just has been in so many amazing English movies. Um, he was in two James Bond movies. Yes. Uh, God, just uh, he's also a stand-up comedian. But oh, he was okay. He's in one of my one of my favorite movies, uh, Nuns on the Run, with Eric Idle. Yeah, I've never seen that one. It's very funny, but it doesn't have a sequel. Okay. Oh, he was <laughs> also he was also in Black Adder. Oh yeah, yeah. He, and do, doesn't he play like the the ghost of Christmas Present on Black Adder on the Christmas special? I believe so, yes. Which is basically Hagrid. It is exactly Hagrid. Mm-hmm. He's also, uh, the same year uh, as, as he was playing Hagrid, he was also in From Hell as uh, Johnny Depp's um, uh, partner while they try to sur- solve the murders of uh, whores in Whitechapel due to the oh. Jack the Ripper. He's That's a that friend same of the year. show. He was the man in the bathroom in National Lampoon's European Vacation. <sighs> that is true. That's right, and you can't call him a friend of the show. He's never been on. <laughs> no, no. If you come, if you if you've been on a movie that's from the show, then oh, you is that what we call it? Uh, well, he also plays Rubius Hagrid, who comes to tell Harry about his his wizarding blood. I guess his, his actual like fate and such. Like, well, we've been trying to get to you, but of course the Dursleys, because they're awful muggles, which is a great word. They don't want. They don't want to hear anything about magic. They hate the idea of magic. They just hate the idea that Harry Potter is special. Uh, there's a whole thing about his aunt, whose uh, sister, Harry's mother, was muggle-blooded, but she. Uh, this is going to be hard to explain. But she got to go to magical school and could do magic, whereas her sister could not. So she's always held that her sister was a freak, and by that. Harry is a freak. Well, that was always something that that never that I I never quite understood in any of the Harry Potter movies I saw is exactly how much does his foster family actually know about the supernatural? Oh, I, they know a lot because again, like it's they're they're also afraid of witches. It's because of a promise that she made under duress by Dumbledore that Harry was allowed to live with them. Well, Otherwise, well, that would have cut herself completely brings up off. something. Like ha- having revisited these films, I th- I think they're right. Have they ever encountered a-, a magic user that wasn't flagrantly abusing their abilities? Again, uh, Harry Potter's mom. 
HyperX has refined their lightweight Cloudsteiner headset and now proudly presents the evolved Cloudsteiner 2. It still keeps the same rotating ear cups, swivel to mute microphone, and comfort, and now adds two years of premium DTS Headphone X activation. Get even better in-game audio and a number of other refinements for the low, low price of $50. Available now at HyperX.com. I mean, they're not, they sort of joke about that uh, in the movie towards the end, Thrasher, that, you know, uh, uh, Hagrid Lily. is telling Harry... Lily is the mother. James and Lily Potter. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the film, Hagrid is telling Harry Potter that, oh, you know, you should use some of your magic to put, um... Oh, uh, what's the brother's name? Oh, uh... Gus. No, no, no. Hold on. The, the fat kid with all the toys that... That's not Petunia. Dudley. 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 Dudley Dursley. DD. Which is a horrible bully, but at the same time, he's being treated like he's so special. Where in truth, it's Harry who's special. But because he he comes from this this awful home life, he also doesn't have the big head that a lot of mages would, that a lot of these wizards would. But, but would he also have a thirst for vengeance against his oppressors? Ooh. Again, that is that is something that, that always sort of stood out to me. And actually, my good friend Hector Reyes and I actually had some debates about this. But I really feel like all of the, the wizards are the bat, real bad guys. I don't know about that, but I think one thing the movie does differently is, you know, the kid doesn't realize he has magic and he ends up at the the magic school hogwarts and when he's there it's it's like he's already a celebrity people already know who he is he is stuff of legend because he survived uh, an attack by the the voldemort when you know they he should not be named he should not be named the v word and that makes it sound nasty (laughs) (laughs) What, what could the v word be um but but you are right it's like again one of the ideas in this movie is power Yes. These kids are being taken to a a school where they'll learn how to use their their power to be part of a community of powerful, powerful people who also try to stay hidden. I mean, the entire wizarding world is supposed to be kept hidden from muggles because of things that have happened in the past where muggles have, of course, outnumbered them, but have also destroyed wizards with seemingly no supernatural powers. But again, they have the numbers, which is where you have the Inquisitions and such like that. Oh, okay. So when, when the Harry Potter books were still being written, it's so, something I used to to tell people who were were fans of the book was that you know was that um it, was that you, you ever notice that there's no jobs for wizards? So my theory is that. If the, when you graduate, to graduate from Hogwarts, you have to fight the rest of the graduating class to the death. And the survivors are the ones that go on. Now, I know, I know that's just that's pure fantasy. You know, that, that has nothing to do with the book. But I, I look at this, this world that Rowling's created, and I, and I wonder, what, are you, what do you do after you graduate Hogwarts? Well, you go work for the ministry. But, but what, or but you what open, kind of job Or you open that? a shop in Diagon Alley. Well, or you become but, a writer, or you explore the world, or you become a teacher. Or you become a teacher, or what, one of um, uh, Ron Weasley's brothers, I think, does something mm-hmm. with dragons. He tries to locate dragons yep. around the world. 
he yeah, he does a lot of dragon research. Again, you can go out and become you're you're basically a magic scientist trying to find okay. out what can magic do, what can it not do, what can we how can we stretch it, and then also what can we make? Or what secrets are out there that we even as wizards who know that there are freaking centaurs and giants still around. But only limited to the campus of Hogwarts. No, no, no. They keep them in the hills. It's it's very much like there's actually a movie called uh, Troll, which is all about how the government sponsors um, a troll hunt and also a troll um, uh, preserve. Here's a bit. So of- there are yes. places where these magical creatures live, and there are people who are in charge of keeping them from being exploited by muggles, so that they can exploit them. Wait. Exactly. Or do you have a differing opinion on what it means to be a wizard? Segway. I think we've, we're kind of going off the track here. We should be talking more to yes, directly about talk. the film instead of uh, wizard conspiracy theories. Yeah, I, I, I'll admit I do dig too deep into the nuts and bolts of, of, of the, this world. Here's a bit of Again, trivia. It's a story that yes. J.K. Rowling came up with uh, to tell her children. Right. At the end of the day. Um, and that's it. One thing I think about the film that's an interesting bit of trivia I found is originally as Snape, do you know who they were, had cast as him? Jim Varney. Who? No. Hmm. Tim Roth. Who? Oh. And he turned uh, it down to, no. do, to be the evil ape in Planet of the Apes for Tim Burton. Tim Roth. I... Interesting. No, I don't see it. Yeah, but I mean, I I think he'd be hard. Like, I don't know. Like, he has such a. I just. Alan Rickman as Snape is just. He's such an interesting actor in the way he talks. He's become iconic. Yes, very. Exactly. Mr. Paltrow. He's become. So many people love him for that role. Everybody loves. And again, not giving out too much. His character is so important to the series. And because of that. I also happen to know that Alan Rickman kind of got a big head because of it. Oh, really? He, he didn't, he's been said, it's said that he really didn't understand or like the books, but once he got to know the writer, um, once he got to know JK, and she became, like, good friends and kind of told him more about his character. He cared more about Severus Snape, of course, than he did about Harry. Hmm. Oh, Speaking, speaking of of Alan Rickman and and the fans, yes, Jason, do you remember my cousin Mary's Alan Rickman comedy sketch? Oh yes, yes, her Alan Rickman comedy sketch where she flies out of the window with Alan Rickman. Yeah, my my cousin Mary did this brilliant uh, live comedy sketch with her writing partner as part of a show called I think was it Getting Hotter by the Day? Was that the show title? No, it was the the. The bruises and, and injuries of a nerd's life, or something like that. Was, yeah, uh, something like, but but yeah, the, the whole premise of the sketch is it's like a, a, a 12 or 14-year-old girl, the age is kind of hard to place, who's in her room and has like a crush on Alan Rickman. And then Alan Rickman flies in through the window and like takes her by the hand and they, they go on this journey around the world. And Alan Rickman has these like magical powers. And what was so funny is I was talking to her and her writing partner about that afterwards, uh, about that that sketch, and and I was explaining to them that you know we we had friends in college 
who felt that exact same way about Alan Rickman, who were just in love with him because he's in the Harry Potter films and all this, and their jaws dropped. And and I was like, well, well that, you didn't base that on real people? No, we just tried to think of what the most unlikely crush would be. Well, also, but again, let's talk about the caliber of people who are in this movie. You've got, like, you've got, like, ten uh, Academy Award winners, stage... Uh, stage actors of such renown in England, and then you put them in a, in, in a movie with these really young stars who've been in almost nothing. Rupert Grint had been in, basically, he had been in nothing. Daniel Radcliffe had only done uh, like David Copperfield and, and some shows in, uh, in, the, in London, and, uh, and Emma Watson had been in a bunch of theater. But putting them in a movie at such a young age with people like Robbie Coltrane, right? Uh, yeah, they're pretty uh, much Ian Hart, uh, John Hurt, John Hurt, sure, Fiona Shaw, and Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith, right? As Minerva McGonagall, she so embodied that character and was such a a powerful presence on screen. And it, she was actually picked by Rowling as her personal choice for the part hmm. of Minerva McGonagall, and she was amazing. Her voice. The way she could snap and and cut uh, cut the silence in a room, or, or uh, and and oh, Maggie, again, Maggie Smith is a brilliant actress. Um, she always has been, and I, I hope she continues to act for many years. Well, but I, was I watching, always uh, I was worried. Yes, uh, my worry was that she was going to die before the series was over. That was a concern with several actors, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, it happened, that, with, it happened with Richard Harris, right, as Dumbledore. Who I, for yeah, my money, realize. I think was a better Dumbledore than um, the other one. He fits, yes, yes. Richard Harris fits the character more than um, Michael Gambon. Thank you. Yeah, Michael Gambon. Because um, I think the very... in the book Dumbledore is a bit like humorous and sort of lighter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Michael Gambon. But there's something him. about there's something about Richard Harris. He looks like a wizard. Yes, <laughs> too. And Michael Gambon, no, he, he just like shouts all his lines and just comes off as like really intense and sort of. And the stories do get darker as you go on, but there's he just doesn't have the warmth that Richard Harris had. Oh yeah, because those eyes. And looks See, less Richard wizardy. Harris initially rejected the role of Dumbledore. He only reversed it because his granddaughter said <laughs> that she would never speak to him again if he didn't take it. Uh, I think that's that's so beautiful. That's great. A lot of these yeah. people they took the roles because their children told them to. Because their children were reading the books. I mean, that's that's kind of cool. That is. I mean, watching this film again, I was looking at the acting of the three main characters in the film, you know, Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, and Hermione. And I have to say, I think Emma Watson has the best performance out of those three. It is very uh, That's just for her age. Yes. I mean, she just tap dances around... Like Ron Weasley, uh, Rupert Grint is Ron Weasley is fine of fine with the goofy stuff, but like Daniel yeah. Radcliffe as Harry Potter in the first film, I think is really uh, raw. Well, I think part of the problem is it seems like the only direction he's given <laughs> is be overwhelmed with wonder. Okay, yes. good. Smile. Now, laugh. Now be oh, dejected. Now be overwhelmed That's again. True. Make your no, eyes no, bigger. I was watching a. I was watching a screen test of him and oh uh-huh. my and that yeah that's exactly it it's like they wow. give him something and he's like talking about a dragon's egg and like well it's like a dragon's egg he's like, what it's a dragon and i'm like oh yeah now that you say that 
uh, oh, uh, we have to give it up um, to uh, Richard Griffiths, uh, who just recently passed away. Um, That's right. He played the he played the non magical uncle Vernon Dursley, uh, who was fantastic in the series as well. Quite uh, a frightening mustache. Yeah, he's a. <laughs> <laughs> and John Hurt. John Hurt shows up out of nowhere to play uh, Ollivander. And, he, and he's in the sequels as well. But John Hurt has just this tiny little role as the, the finest wine, uh, wand producer. And like this guy who has this great scene with Harry when he gets his wand. And the uh, special effects, mostly practical. And because of that scene, there is now a place in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Florida that they have a show where you where a member of the audience is picked to pick a wand huh. and they have things going on in an interactive environment like um, like lights going off uh, explosions and like one of the back shelves. Have you been to that? Ex- just have by you been kid. to that? I haven't. Universal. I, I happen to I know really somebody. Know. Yes. I happen to know somebody who worked there. Oh. Okay. And I was so jealous. Every year, I, I I'm like, I'm going to go down. I'm going to go down. I'm going to go down to Universal. I'm going to go there. And every year I don't. Is it a separate ticket for that, or is it just with the regular ticket? Uh, it is with a regular ticket uh, for Universal, uh, but they have a thing where only a certain amount of people can be in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Hmm. If you want they to get in, have you have a, to wear a, a special hat, and the hat tells you if you can go into <laughs> the Harry Potter world. It's like Fast Pass. I see, right. Um, cool. Well, I think before we... We've barely touched the surface, and we have a little bit more to talk about this... Uh, film Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. But before we do that, let's take a little break to talk about our website at sequelcast.com. If you go there, you can download episodes of uh, the Sequelcast where we talk about other film franchises such as Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles or, Ooh, Home, like Alo- or Home Alone or, Ooh, the, like uh, or the Muppet films. So yeah. You can check out the old episodes at sequelcast.com. If you want to donate, like what you listen to, uh, you can donate via PayPal at sequelcast.com slash donate and you can check out some of our affiliate links uh you know if you want to rent a movie as an amazon digital rental streaming to check out of a film we're talking about on the show we got links on the side of the page and uh you can listen to sequelcast with the stitcher app to listen to it streaming on the go get the app at stitcher.com slash sequelcast and uh, when you download it sequelcast gets added as one of your favorites you can listen to Let's see. I believe that. Listen to us on Stitcher! And also the Facebook page is at facebook.com slash sequelcast where you can talk to us about the films and news about movie sequels and all sorts of fun stuff. So, um, back to... Do we have any uh, people talking about it on uh, Twitter or uh, Facebook? We do. That's an excellent segue, Jason. Um, We had a really interesting tidbit brought up by um, listener Siri Nichols who was asking if I've watched the, this film, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, while listening to Wizard People. Oh, what? Wizard People, Dear Readers. Have you heard about this? Yeah, Wizard People, Dear no, Readers. what is this? It's done by a comedian, Brad Neely, who um, does some cartoon stuff for Adult Swim and was a writer on South Park for a season. And basically, it's a, it's a commentary thing. You line up... It's like an audiobook version of the movie that's totally inaccurate, that's done by Brad Neely in character as like a guy... Basically, like Brad Neely thought it up all drunk at a bar 
and he's never read the books, and he just kind of makes up shit as he goes along about the characters, their motivations, and like narrates the entire film. It's really funny. It's really strange. But we'll uh, post a link to that up on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash sequelcast. But, wizard people, dear readers, it's uh, really, truly bizarre. So thanks for that, Siri Nichols. Um, Friend of the show, Beth Gilmer, is asking, uh, wants us to talk about Hermione's hair. It's it's lawn. There's a whole lot of it. It's curly. There's a whole lot of it, yeah. And, you know, she was still a, a younger kid when she made this movie, so, like, her face is really small, but her hair is huge. She, she hadn't grown into her scalp yet. <laughs> she also no, saying, a lot of people also, don't know isn't this, there... But a woman is born with all the hair she's ever going to have, and she has to grow into that hair. Well, also, I think a lot of it was uh, pointing out... Well, what's really interesting is, again, she's from Muggle Blood. So there's also kind of the thing of her, even though she's super smart, she yes. doesn't put a lot of um, effort into looking attractive or working, worrying about makeup and such. There are other characters that are very vain that do do that. Um, the Patel sisters, uh, one of the Ravenclaws, and I think there's a few Slytherin chicks who are really into like looking like really proper because mm. they come from these families that that are so strict, that are these kind of royal families of pure blood um, that come from Wizarding World, who have no uh, muggle connections at all. I keep saying muggle. Do you know what muggles are? We should probably define that, considering you've been yes. talking about muggles for the past half hour. It's, it's the uh, M word. Yes, it's people who don't... It's people who aren't magical. So there are right. people... A, a person who is not magical can marry a wizard. And that child may be born with or without powers. A person who comes from two wizards is more likely to uh, to have powers. Mm-hmm. But then you have uh, if a if a normal person is born to two wizards, they're called a squib. They know of the magical world because of their parents and such, but they have no magical talent themselves. Uh-huh. Then, of course, you have people who are born from muggle blood to normal parents and they're often seen as uh, thieves to magical power because where does that power come from? They must have stolen it. So they're called muggle blooded. It's, it's a real diss because it says they have no talent. Though Hermione Granger in her, in her class is one of the most talented wizards. And it's also found out later that Lily Potter was one of the more talented wizards of her class when she was attending Hogwarts. That's right, folks. Harry's parents both attended this wizarding scroll. Okay, I've got a, a question. So if you don't have magical parents, how does the school find you? Aha, and don't say magic. Damn it. They use uh, Cerebro from the X-Men films no. to detect all the magic users. No. No, but they do, like, they have, like, a whole... There's a whole division of people that are responsible for that. And I think also owls know, because they're owls, and they're smart and wise. They're magical owls as well. There's like, and it's probably something to do with the prophecy as well. There's a book. Prophecy? Kind of like Santa Claus. Well, there's a whole room of prophecies. Hmm. Well, let's, um, we have so Which much- also goes back to the prophecy that is part of what Harry Potter is all about. Harry Potter is the chosen one is the one who survived. 
He's got all right. this like mythology and and uh, stories about him. And even in even <laughs> even Dumbledore is like, okay, I'm gonna latch onto this kid and guide him because his future like is super important. And there are people that hate him because his future is super important, like the Malfoys who worshipped uh, Voldemort. They don't like seeing their lord's destroyer uh, still living and in the flesh. We but keep... only through yes. him can the Voldemort come back. So it's it's all, yeah. It's a lot of plot, a lot of characters in there. Um, we have and a it few comes more up comments. in more movies. It does, as you get along further in the series. Um, we have a few more comments from our listeners I want to get to, and then we should uh, have some final thoughts on this first film, which it seems like we've barely scratched the surface on, Harry Potter sure. and the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, Let's Hilmer. wait. Why don't we? Why don't we divide this into two movies? No, don't do that for the last one. <laughs> two podcasts. But that's uh, that's very funny. Um, <laughs> listener, thank you for pointing it out. Listener Jared makes um, a few non sequitur comments on the Facebook page. I was asking what what do uh, our listeners want us to cover, and he said the fact that this movie isn't a sequel. And then I explained to Jared what the sequel cast was. And then he said, ah, why don't you talk about the fact that you liked your own comment, maybe? Um, well, Jared, thank you for those comments. I, I like my own comments on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sequel cast. Because why not? If you can't like yourself, who can you like at all? Um, it's one must truly learn to love oneself before one can truly love others. Yeah. So so thanks for that, Jared. We appreciate all, all feedback. Um Maybe you'll actually write something about what we're talking about next time. So uh, Beth added a few more things. She wants to know why Hagrid doesn't learn to shut up sooner. It's a running gag in the film that Hagrid keeps on revealing all these sort of secrets he's not supposed to reveal. Well, because he's 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 the heart. He he's the heart of the movie. He's bumbling. It's not his place, but it's also not his place to to try and he tries to protect people. Doing so he winds up saying more than he should because he is, he's very talky, but he also cares so much about them. He doesn't want to keep secrets from them. I mean, he does take these kids. He takes the fate of Harry Potter into his own. I, I, I never really understood why, but he really does take Harry. He takes, well, he drops him off at the Dursleys at the very beginning when Harry's just a baby true. and he's crying when he does so. I mean, he's a servant of this magical world. He had the chance to become a, a, a magician, a, a wizard himself, but we'll get into that in the next movies. But right. he really does take a lot of stock in the well-being of Harry Potter and thus his friends as well. They become friends to him. So it's very hard for him to keep a secret from them. We have more segments to get to here in the sequel cast, but I think we should talk about one thing we liked, one scene we liked about in this film and one scene we didn't like. Um, before we wrap things up and move on to other segments such as what you're watching and so forth. So uh, one scene that always drives me crazy in this film is it's the big chess battle at the end with the life-size chess pieces. And I don't know if this is because budgetary reasons or what, but you don't see the pieces fight very much. You just get close-up shots of the chess pieces exploding. I guess in later in later movies you see like smaller versions where they are fighting each other. Yeah, and there's the little CGI. But this is a large, 
structure. It's it was more. I think for the scale of it, it's more of the idea of them coming to a space on large explosion, not that they're actually cleaving. Well, it, Though in the it book, struck they do me cleave. as a chess scene filmed or possibly even written by somebody who doesn't know anything about chess. Well, you can't I, show a whole fucking chess game. Well, I mean, I really, I, I, but I guess that's that's what bothers me. If you're going to play a whole chess game, I want to see it, and I want to have a very good sense of how the pieces are moving because I want to make sure it's a real chess game. But there's so many weird close-ups in this scene. Yeah, I feel like whoever the people making that scene were like, we don't need to know how chess works. Just move pieces around and have explosions. Is there any last thing you want to talk about Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Jason uh, and Thrasher? Yes. Before I say the magic words that make the podcast progress, I love – there's all these like sort of little whimsical details in this film, and I really did love those. And like I loved the idea of the every flavor beans. Yeah. But I remember at the time, I'm like, well, do they literally mean every flavor? Could you have one that tastes like dung or, or genocide? And that – gets addressed in a later movie where Dumbledore has that line about how he tried one that turned out to be vomit flavored and he hadn't had one since. That's in this film, actually. Oh, is it? I thought it was the second yeah. one. But um, now I think we should make the podcast continue, so raise your wands and repeat after me, Podcasto Progressum! Uh, so God. let's rate Harry Potter. Did you want to say one last thing, Jason? Uh, no, I think that's... Let's go right to okay. that segment. I, I will say the music... Just stop. Progressive. Where, where, where he says that, let's just go to, let's just go to the next part, because that is brilliant. Just okay. cut this part that I'm saying now, and just go right to whatever's next. Hate you. Okay, now, now we're going to rate uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or the Sorcerer's Stone, depending on where you're from. We're going to rate it out of five stars, and give a brief uh, reason why. I'll begin. I give Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone... Four out of five stars. I think it's a very fun, you know, introduction to all these characters. And yet, I'm not crazy about, like, the the chess fight scene. And it, I think the pacing is kind of... You know, there's not as much a direct story in this film as in the later films. Because so much... Ha- it's like an hour before he really gets to Hogwarts and he's assigned to... Um, you know, till he actually gets into the, the, the world, gets into the school. So it takes a bit to get started, but when it does, it really picks up. I give uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stones four out of five stars. Uh, Jason? I'm going to be really weird. I'm going to go three out of five. Okay. Now, I love this movie, but it really is a, it's a start. Ulse. We're the Spirit Hunters, and we're a show that treats Hunter Hunter and Yu Hakusho's author as the center of the universe. Some weeks we do linguistic analysis. The Chinese meaning of this character is to smelt or refine, but so the changed meaning in Japanese it means to temper. Other times, we get absolutely smashed. So we take one shot every time. Yusuke uses the ray gun. One hour later. This is the least coherent episode. Oh, there it is. I think your apartment is haunted. <laughs> Check us out at the HyperX Podcast Network. Explode When Defeated presents something really neat and full of meat. Those children aren't going to protect themselves in a brand new podcast series about everyone's favorite giant reptile. Godzilla? No, we already did that one. Rodan? No, we did that one too. Gorgo? Gamera. We're talking about Gamera. From turtles to medieval samurai golems on our new series, Demolition Die. Only on the HyperX Podcast Network. It has a lot of... 
rough edges, but it has a lot of places that it can go. One of the things that I found hard in this were the special effects. A lot of the CGI, just at the time period that this was made, wasn't really up to snuff. There were things that I felt were done very well practically. And I felt like you could have almost done the entire thing practically with an actual, like, a physical special effect, mm-hmm. not a CGI. Though, I mean, floating and stuff like that, the troll notwithstanding, I also felt that the kids' actings, the, ki- the, the kid actors, they have so much room to grow. They are surrounded by an amazing cast. They are surrounded by these, the, this pantheon of actors. And because of that, the continuing movies get better and better and better. Each of them becomes a better actor. I can't right. imagine that it was really easy for a few of these stars to be with such inexperienced actors. But I hope that they learned as much as they could while they had people uh, like Maggie Smith, uh, like Robert Harris, uh, these people with them to learn from. Thrasher. Um, well, uh, I... I guess when it comes down to it, I'm going to give it uh, four out of five stars. I did enjoy the film. Uh, I did uh, have good memories of seeing it. It's a film I will very likely be watching again. I'm just not all that into its its portrayal of wizard. Like it, it's it's so much a kids fantasy film that I can't enjoy it on a, on an adult level, and that's why it's not getting that uh, last star. Okay, no, fuck you. I'm changing my grade. I'm changing it to a, a four out of five because of that. It's not it's not just a children's fantasy. It involves a kid being taken from a life that isn't great, uh, that's actually quite sucky, um, where he's abusive uh, uncle and aunt and a cousin. He's taken and he's given this life, which is full of magic, which is full of, of, of danger as well, but he be, he gets friends. He gets a family. He has people looking after him more than his own flesh and blood. And and to that, it is a it is a very interesting story as an adult to watch, and I think it's also a really strong story for a kid to watch. Again, filling a world full of stuff as it introduces us to this magical world, I think everything is done quite brilliantly like that. Okay, then. Uh, we're going to now do uh, pitch a sequel, in which we pretend there is no sequels made to this, so we're going to pretend like there wasn't a second book written or a second movie of uh, after this first Harry Potter, and what would we do as a sequel? Um, ooh, 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 ooh. Jason, you, you, you start. Right. Okay, uh, it's Harry Potter 2, Harry's yep. Revenge. Okay. He takes everything he's learned in that first year, and he goes back and he does the most terrible things to the Dursleys. Says <laughs> <laughs> it like the collector? Yes. Like <laughs> killing them off one by one. Only with magic. Does he stuff the corpses beneath the staircase? No. Okay. No, 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 no. Uh, he either, uh, either they become uh, his undead minions as he uh, starts to um, dwell into necromancy or uh, possibly uh, turn to stone as he goes on a rampage. Thrasher, what's your pitch of sequel? Mine is also a revenge fantasy. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's uh, going to be Harry Potter 2 Spring Broken, where uh, Harry Potter and his friends are stuck at school for spring break because for some contrived reason they can't visit their families. Uh, So it's mostly them. And you know that uh, troll that died? Yeah. 
Well, it turns out he has family. Oh, no. And they want revenge. Because he, he wasn't really there to attack anybody. He was lost and scared and confused. And the bathroom was the most cave-like place. It was a familiar environment. So he was going, he was going there for shelter. And then what do these wizard kids do? They murder him in cold blood. So Hogwarts gets assaulted by... Uh, Assaulted by the ogres, and it's a horrible. It's 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 muscle meat and clubs versus uh versus wizardry, and it's just a uh, a a bloodbath. But Harry Potter, being the chosen one, does win. But he earns a powerful enemy in troll kind, who will eventually team up with Voldemort in a later sequel. I think, uh, for my future sequel, I would call it. Um I would do a spin-off. I think, you know, why not do a prequel on a minor character? So I would call Ooh. it Harry Potter I would call it like Hogwarts Adventures. Um the story of Well who would be the minor character? Yeah, I'm getting to that. The story of Nick. So it would be the origin for nearly headless Nick played by John Cleese. <sighs> and about him as a person and how he lost most of his head and how he died and how at the end would be eventually, you know, his that he gets to haunt the, the grounds of uh, Hogwarts, uh, Gryffindor. That's the happy house. ending. That's the happy ending. So it'd be sort of like an action medieval film with John Cleese in the lead, some possibly off-color humor, and you tie it in by with the Harry Potter. It have a wraparound segment with uh, Harry, you know, with his legs crossed, being spoken to by nearly headless Nick, saying, "Oh, you know, there, Harry, you wouldn't know how I lost my head." And then you know, Before it I the whole kill film. you, I'll tell you how. <laughs> I do wish they'd do more with that character because I like John Cleese, but he's such a minor character in the scheme of things. Well, like I love, I love the concept of a guy who had most of his head cut off and then became a ghost. Like, and you see him rip I, most of his head off. And I feel like he really should have a thrilling yes. origin story. So that's what I would. Well, do. again, if you read the books, you will find out his actual origin story. So I guess I'll never know. Was I wrong? Okay. Did he Was lose that? it in battle? Uh, no, I believe it was a shaving accident. Well, in mine, he'd lose it in a battle. So, uh, that's our Pitch a Sequel segment. Um, before we move on to our next segment, where we talk about some news about sequels and spinoffs and things I've been posting over at facebook.com slash sequelcast, I have a question for you, Jason. I hear you're a wizard of some kind? Yeah, I'm a wizard. J.K. Rowling. Oh, she's a wizard because she wrote a successful book franchise? No, no, no. Oh, God, I have to explain the joke. It's that terrible. Okay. I'm a wizard, J.K. Rowling. Ah. J.K. is in joke? Yeah. Mm. That was the joke that, we, that I've been trying to segue to for the past 40 minutes? Yes. But You're I don't well. get the joke. Explain it to me, Jason. Okay. I'm a wizard, <laughs> J.K. Rowling. I, I, it's just passing over my head. Oh, God. Okay. Do you want me to when explain people... it? No, okay. No, actually, yeah, you try. I want to see yeah, if you can get it. Explain it, Thrasher. Sure see if okay. you get it right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a wizard. JK, Rowling. No, okay, so here's the deal JK is internet shorthand for just kidding. And then what's the Rowling part? That's her name. Okay. I, so she would say, uh, I, I, I'm a wizard. JK, Rowling. I'm a. Uh... Huh. Well, uh, I, I admire that attempt. I didn't quite get it, but I'm sure our audience is laughing. Thank you for that, Jason. He is. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Are you okay? 
the fuck? Um, all right, so uh, sequel what news. We'll talk about a recent piece of sequel news. Have you heard about that Rocky is coming as a Broadway musical? Uh, I've heard there's been one in development. In April, yeah, it had a successful premiere in Hamburg, Germany. Oh, of course. Uh, all in Germany, because they, they couldn't get American financing, but they got German financing. And um, it's going to make its debut on Broadway, I think, in um, like February. I found you can do almost anything in Germany. 2014. Have you seen this video that has some songs from it? Oh, no. Like what? Um, is it in German? Well, there is that video, but that's not the one I'm thinking. Here, let me I'll post this link <laughs> and just fast forward to it really quick. Uh, oh, Adrian, I want to be a boxer, but I'm also I'm also going to be a singer or a dancer. So skip to like 29 seconds. Okay. <laughs> I, hey, listeners, I hope you enjoy this clip we're watching. <laughs> Wait, to where to what? Skip to 29 seconds in the link. I mean, Rocky is a musical, it just sounds like a joke oh, God, to begin is. with. Rocky, but... you fight from your heart? This is insane! <laughs> <laughs> it's a, the clip's really something. We have it up over at facebook.com slash sequelcast. But it's a, and they're going to have music like Eye, from, Eye of the Tiger is going to wow. be in there. And Gonna Fly Now, which, of course, was the Rocky theme with lyrics in it during the montage. Isn't that from Wicked? No. <laughs> Gonna Fly Now. Oh, okay, so the guy who's playing Apollo Creed in this in this footage looks like Larry David. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I want them to do an episode about Larry David auditioning for that part. Do you think this is actually going to do well? you think it's going to be like a big flop? I don't know. Like It's such a weird choice as a musical. People go no, it's not a weird choice, and that's what's wrong with it. It's There's nothing, there's n- absolutely no risk being taken here. Ooh, I agree. I agree. It's nothing new. It's just taking another movie and putting it on Broadway. Hey, uh, hey here's the thing. You saw once. Why don't you pay to see it again? They did it with Legally Blonde. Yes. They did it with Caddyshack. Wait, Caddyshack was a musical? No, but I want it to be. <laughs> it's uh, just wait a few it, years. I bet it's coming. No, uh, a bunch of t- uh, TV properties and movie properties. It's kind of track track the musical. Any right. any Disney any um, Disney uh, movie that's already been made has music in it. So let's just make it a musical on stage. That's yeah, Tarzan, really Beauty and the Beast, right? And all that stuff. You know, um, it's re- only one that it really works with Lion King. Lion King is the most beautiful. Broadway show I've ever seen. I've heard it's uh, really something in person. I've seen video of the opening number at the Tonys one year. But mm. so, is there a piece of current movie sequel news you want to talk about, Thrasher? Uh, Jason? Oh. Yeah, I got something. Um, I'm just waiting for Ender's Game to yes. come out. Right. Uh, Ender's Game is then going to have its sequels. Uh, hopefully, it hopefully, does. yeah. Oh. And there's quite a lot of those too, because he did like a series of books that take place after Ender's Game. And then he did some books that take place concurrently that focus on the minor character of Bean. And there's something like I don't know. I, I I've never understood this why, but uh, but Ender winds up traveling through space at a certain speed or whatever, so that he stops aging. He stops growing old because of the whole. Uh, Relative um, time and dimension. Um, what's that yeah, called? The, Relativity. Yeah, the the fast. They don't have faster than light travel in the setting, but they have 
relativistic velocities, they can go like 99.9% the speed of light. So, you know, it's great if you're on the ship. Barely any time passes for you, but if you're not on the ship, then days, months, years, decades can pass between a journey. I really hope that the the teaser or trailer for the Ender's Game movie that's coming out this November doesn't spoil the big twist in the book. Mm. Well, no, the big, the big, that is the payoff. But don't, the can't, can you imagine that they, well, there's no trailer for it yet, but can't you imagine them spoiling that in the trailer? If anything, they'll show, they'll show the, they'll, they'll show the training room. That's well, they the have, most yes. important thing. Of course they'll show the training room, I'd hope, yeah. And Harrison Ford is in it too, so. Yes. And, um, and Ben Kingsley. Oh, right. Okay. He's playing um, the Maori, uh, the famous Maori who defeated the aliens. Um, gotcha. Okay. Uh, what's his face? I can't. Uh, well, do you know the name? Of the aliens? No, no, the guy who beat them all. Oh, crud, I don't recall. Yeah. Anyway, okay, well, that, yeah, no, I think that, I hope that'll be pretty good. Um, He's got these amazing uh, tattoos on his face for the movie. It, right. it looks really awesome. Crasher, is there a, some movie sequel news you want to talk about? Yes, and I believe we mentioned this before, but okay, Iron Man 3 is coming out. That's correct. And apparently four or five extra minutes of the movie were shot, which were going to be inserted only for the release in China. Yes. Well, some Chinese bloggers have gotten a hold of that footage and are, and I think rightly so, uh, railing against it is just being a Ooh. bunch of pandering nonsense and local product placement. Well, it also features some uh, car- um, actors that are more like movie stars in China, right? Uh, I think, well, yeah, one of them is. It's a, uh, a uh, yeah, Dr. Wu, played by, uh, and I'm sure I'm butchering the name, but a, a Wang Chai-Kuei. I mean, that, no, that sounds of right. strange, but didn't, didn't the movie get a lot of like Chinese financing or something? Like, some of it's filmed yes. in China. And again, you can, make, you can make your budget back just by having a movie in China. I mean, yeah, the, been you don't even have to lot. worry about the international. You just right. have to get, like, you get your American box office, and you get your China box office. And the China box office has really been picking up lately. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just make a good movie. People will see it. How about that on don't the DVD and stuff? They'll have the Chinese scenes on there. Yeah, but is there, we're basically saying, is there a reason to have different scenes for different audiences? Mm, I mean, well, well though, they've done that for England and America. They've had that for European releases of movies. Is that that so strange? Well, I mean, it's not that it's yeah. strange. It's that I believe there should only be one version of the movie. But what about Harry Potter has that, for instance? This you know, this first film we've been talking about. In the, the cuts overseas, they refer to the f- stone as the Philosopher's Stone, and yet they keep it a Sorcerer's Stone in the American version. I, I would stick with Philosopher's Stone. I don't see why... Time and energy has to be wasted changing one word. But uh, and you can check out more news about movie sequels at the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sequelcast. Now on to our final segment, what you're watching. I guess I will begin. I've been watching um a have I talked about the TV show Hannibal yet? No. Oh, okay. So I've watched a few episodes of this. I think it's actually pretty good it's a tv show you know based on the hannibal lecter character and it takes place before the book in the film red dragon and i think the the acting is is pretty good and it's surprisingly gruesome for a network uh, tv show have you seen this at all no, Sadly, no. I okay that sounds cool though 
Yeah, it's a, it's much better done than you would suspect. I think, and um, I need to watch it more. I'm just kind of bummed out. Something that's not it's not the show's fault exactly, but like I'm a I have a Hulu Plus subscription because I don't get cable or even like TV over the antenna doesn't really come in that well. Mm-hmm. So I'm paying for money, but even with the subscription for Hulu Plus, some of the shows you can only watch on your computer, but you can't watch them on an iPhone or an iPad or on your TV. Ew. And Hannibal, initially for the first few episodes, was allowed you to watch it on the TV, and then all of a sudden they switched where you need a subscription to watch it. Hmm. Where you need to watch, or you need to watch it on the computer. Which, it's really frustrating, especially when they do in the middle of showing the TV show. And I don't even... Why do you even need that distinction anymore? Well, again, networks... The networks don't understand that as far as uh, entertainment's concerned, we are in the post-scarcity economy. They can no longer make money by withholding things, but they are so locked into that mindset by 80-plus years of broadcasting that they can't break out. Ooh, commentary. Yeah! What have you been watching, Jason? Uh, mostly, uh, what do we got? Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, uh, those are the things I torrent the most. Uh, I really don't have that much, because again, no TV. So I'm just waiting for Iron Man this Friday. You gonna see it opening night? I don't think so, and here's, here's actually something, I'm, I'm having a moral dilemma. Okay. There's been a lot of talk about how they're not paying the special effects people enough, they're not paying these uh, amazing CGI artists as much as their talent really uh, should be. There's There's been talk of people not going to see these big special effect movies the first weekend and, and going to see them the second weekend so they don't lose money, but it's enough to show that we're doing it in support of the, of the special effects community. A lot of people have been saying they're going to do that with uh, Superman, but I really wonder how many people would do that with Iron Man 3. I don't think that you would make that much of a difference. I mean, a zillion people are going to see the film anyway. True, but if it's not what they projected, and just a lot of people who are serious, like a lot of the serious fans, like, no, no, because I want to see more movies with good special effects. I'm going to support the special effects community. I have friends who are working in, in that industry now. I, have, I, I know people at my college who are in those degrees now to get those kind of jobs. And, and they really aren't expecting much. They're expecting work, hopefully. But a lot of these places are getting shut down because they don't have the funding. And it's just, it, it, it's kind of a conundrum. It's, it's, a, it's a dilemma that I have, whether or not to support a movie that I, I think is awesome or just support it later on so that maybe... My money counts. Well, I, I, I will say this. Uh, in in general, I prefer to, to wait and see the movie like uh, later only because the longer the movie's in theaters, the more the theater will actually make from the movie. That opening weekend, uh, roughly 90% of the ticket price goes straight to the studio. Uh, the theater's only keeping about 10% of that. The longer the film's in, in the theater the more of a share the theater gets, which is why Hollywood pushes so hard to knock movies in and out as quickly as possible. Boom. That's even that's even smarter. Let's do it for that reason as well. Yep. 
Support your local theaters. It's so fun. Oh, it's so fun to, or it's so not fun. It's so hard to find a a local theater. I don't know. I mean, so much of it are chain theaters. Yeah, if that's what you're talking about. But um, no, no, you're right. But that's that's a separate issue. I mean, I'd like to see Iron Man three. A lot of my friends tend to watch the the films, like on midnight before you know, like Thursday night at midnight for a show. And I can never ever make those because I work Monday through Friday, and I have to be at work at six in the morning. Yeah. And so I, I'm not going to uh, to see Iron Man. That's going to be, you know, the, the movie will be over like at three in the morning, having to go to work in three hours. It's not going to happen. Well, I saw I saw at least. Let me think. I've seen at least three of the Harry Potter movies at midnight releases. Ooh. If I'm able to get on for those, I'll tell you how that went. Cool. Very good. Um, what you watching, Well, as Thrasher? far as what I've been watching, uh, I went through a really weird craving, and without going into all of my myriad, very well-reasoned uh, <laughs> reasons for doing this... I watched a lot of Saturday morning uh, cartoon preview specials from the uh, 70s and 80s that made it onto YouTube. Like what? No, I mean, that's just it. They're just Saturday morning preview specials. There, there's, it, it's, it, I don't, they don't do this anymore, but it used to be the big three networks to promote their Saturday morning lineup would do a, a primetime special, a very cheaply produced primetime special they would hype the Saturday morning lineup. Uh, they did one. There was one, a whole series of uh, of them that are actually hosted by Dick Clark and were on the American Bandstand st- uh, Bandstand set. Where, which those I actually really liked because he actually would bring on voice actors and they would like explain how a cartoon was made in addition to showing clips and hyping things and whatnot. But then you know, some of the other networks uh, would get really elaborate, having like characters from a popular show there's one where punky brewster gets like wished onto a magic island and the cartoon characters have to help her get off and also alf is there so is it hey willie i'm kind of confused is it clips from the tv show from the different cartoons or well there's like a yeah they would show clips for the cartoons that were premiering that following saturday but there'd be like a really flimsy pretense of a plot to justify showing those clips in prime time. Like there's one horrible one called Alf Loves a Mystery where like Alf for some reason sends the kid from the Alf, Alf show to solve a mystery and Jack Hay and Betty White are there and like all the clues to the mystery are on videotapes with clips from the cartoons. I mean, th- these things are terrible, but I could not look away. They're an interesting piece of uh, American television history. There was a really weird one starring uh, Scott Bayo. I've never seen uh, any of these. I'll, I'll I'll have to send you some some links, but the, the point of it is they, they left such an impression on me. I'm seriously thinking of doing my own podcast called TV Dungeon, where it's all about exploring forgotten or reprehensible uh, aspects of television. So if you want to hear TV Dungeon, let us know at the sequel cast. Yes, at a sequelcast at gmail.com. I think we've done a good job covering uh, the first Harry Potter film, Harry Potter in the Forest. I think we missed Stone. a lot of things. We did miss a lot of things. We didn't even mention the music by John Williams. But um, <laughs> there's 
so much to talk about and uh, and so much story and so much the first movie especially has to set up in that universe before the story even gets going so um tune in next week where we talk about harry potter and the chamber of secrets check out the website again at sequelcast.com you can check me out uh, on twitter at sequelcast i'm at internet mayor and what's your tumblr jason uh, I'm J-A-R-O-N-S-20 at Tumblr, Jaron's 20. Very good. So, um, for the sequel cast, this is Matt. And Thrasher. Jersey Jason. Saying. Oh, sorry to hear about me troubling there, Mr. Potter. Oh, that's my Hagrid impersonation. Oh, I was going to, yeah, I was going to end it with J.K. Rowling. Uh, <laughs> I'll do my Snape impersonation, but it. Sounds more like Riff Raff from Rocky Horror. No, I want to hear this. Hello, Harry Potter. We're going to cast a smell. A spell. We're going to cast a smell. Harry Potter, I'm going to cast a smell. Mr. Potter. Open your nose. Mr. Potter.